0: The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. Time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be.
1: I thought you were gonna say something about him taking too long <laughs> to clap. <laughs> like,
2: John, you are
0: extra white boy rhythm tonight.
1: <laughs> oh, that looks cute. It looks small.
0: Is that that's like a, uh, Basil on the top?
2: Ba- ba- Basil. Yes, that's my friend Basil from Manchester. <laughs> it's Basil. Exposition he's a Mancun- from- He's a mancunian. Yes, he knows Austin Powers quite well, and he yes, serve him with pizza. He doesn't mind, mind you. He's he's a very good fan of pizza. It's from it's from the continent, you know. Basil, basil, basil. Yeah, it's basil and uh, mozzarella. Um,
0: I have pronounced it basil my whole life. I don't intend on stopping anytime soon.
1: I, I feel like you should, though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Some place look. If you're if you're on Red Square, you can say it either way. Be like, "That's Saint Basil's." That's Saint Basil's, and no one's gonna give you crap. You walk into a pizza restaurant and be like, "Can I get a lot of basil on my pizza?" They're gonna be like, "Go go away." I was about to be like, I was about to do a Mario voice. Nope, nope, nope.
1: Uh, so, so I haven't seen Black Widow yet, but because you know the, the movie came out, Marvel at least, no, not not the official Marvel, is that like the Marvel fandom like wiki. Has like Yelena, what's her name? Yelena Belova, like front and center. Uh, And I'm looking at the gallery of her cover art. And there's like a book called Pale Little Spider, which maybe we should consider reading at some point. Uh, But the cover art is by Greg Horn. Oh, it's
0: one of those Gregs.
1: Yeah, so, so the cover art just... Re really looks like it's the porn parody to a Black Widow movie. Man,
2: can't we just have... Can't can't we just have nice things?
0: (laughs) Oh, I think this is a... I think this is a Marvel Max title, so it might not actually be on the app.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I just just, know I saw that that cover art, and I was like, ooh, boy.
0: That cover is real bad
1: yes uh there's a lot there's a lot going on but we're not here to talk about that no we're here to talk about
0: some other comics this is the superhuman registration podcast we took some time off but we are here to talk about a trio of single issues that we all hand selected for their prime entertainment value that they were going to provide we'll see how well that panned out i'm steven and i've got john and aldo with me on the line how are you doing this evening
1: you can't see it but i am dabbing I'm, I'm ex- you dabbing. I'm, I'm excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just That's dabbed gonna... too. John, are you dabbing? No. no. <laughs>
2: I want to assure everyone that I I have not ever seriously dabbed and only uh, occasionally have done it sarcastically, <laughs> but not tonight. Tonight's all business, mostly because uh, my t- my I have I have an owie on my tongue. Oh. So, I I can't have salty things anymore apparently because I don't know what it was but now uh, so if I if I'm talking like funny tonight it's because my tongue hurts. Oh, I, I can't say I can't say my s's without biting my tongue on an owie.
1: If you're gonna if you're gonna be talking like that you need to add a c at the end of every other sentence. Yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah see, yeah, see. There you go. I'm gonna make some puns. <laughs> <Okay, comics, laughs> so? Not to be
0: super pedantic, but. How are you dabbing in a way that involves your tongue?
2: Oh no, those are two issues. One, <laughs> oh, I'm, <they're> unrelated. Okay. Uh, <laughs> unrelated. Hey, here are my problems: um, too old to dab, and my tongue hurts. <laughs> two separate issues, just both <laughs> okay. present at the moment.
0: Thank Aww. you for, for straightening those out for me because I was I was no really I am confused. I am
2: so bad at dabbing. I. Can't
0: <laughs> <laughs> How are you bad at it? It is, it is, like, point to the sky and look into the crook of your opposite elbow. It's not that hard.
2: I'm just imagining what you must think if I'm, like, sticking my tongue out while I dab. It's like, Jordan did it when he was going to the net. This is the thing.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Where do we want to start tonight? We got, we got three stories to get through.
2: Um... You know... There are no bad answers, because it's all kind of... Eh, that's not fair. I liked the X-Men. Let's save that one.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, that was... That was Why I'll go ahead
0: and start us off, then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We read Marvel 2 and one from 1974, issue number 86. Uh, there are two stories in this. The reason that we read it was for the cover story, which is sort of a team-up of the thing in Sandman. The thing is bumming around uh, uh, the Fantastic Four, Freedom Four Plaza, whatever it's called, uh, and he's bored and he's frustrated because Reed's just got him doing grunt work. Uh, They talk about uh, a recent altercation between the Sandman and Hydro Man, uh, two Spider-Man villains who wound up inexplicably getting, like, mixed together, and then even less explicably some mad scientist dug up their remains and poured some serum in there to like separate them thought it was a failure and abandoned them Sandman and Hydra Man actually were able to separate as a result of this and they just kind of go their separate ways Sandman sneaks off to a bar where he's gonna get drunk the bartender recognizes him and decides to call the Fantastic Four for help because he's seen the Fantastic Four fight the Sandman before and he wants to make sure that Sandman doesn't cause trouble So the Thing, who has been bored, just shows up and he rips up a table and he's ready to beat the crap out of the Sandman. Sandman doesn't even bother fighting back though. He's just like, oh, whatever, you're here, I guess you're going to arrest me, whatever. So when Sandman doesn't fight back, the Thing sits down, listens to Sandman talk about his whole life story, including his uh, kind of initial crime spree, his origin story, And at the end of it all, the Thing decides he's not all that different from the Sandman, pays his tab, and just leaves, and the Sandman sits there in the bar alone, drinking. Uh, That's the story that I really wanted us to read. I don't know how much we want to talk about the second story, which is the Thing babysitting Franklin Richards, and then the Impossible Man shows up and is annoying for about five pages.
1: Uh, I did not bother to read the Impossible Man. I wish I hadn't.
0: It not good.
1: (laughs) I it did not look like it was.
2: It felt yeah. like an episode of the like the Flintstones when that like green alien Kazoo visits. It's like what what are you doing here? What is this? It, What's going
1: on? It seemed like a like a I, don't, I, don't, I really don't want to like, you know, crap on this cuz you know, not not a published writer or author myself. But also that just looked like a really bad copycat of like the cat in the hat. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like I don't it want this. like a cat
0: Uh, Anyway, so the name of this story is Time Runs Like Sand. It was written by Tom DeFalco, uh, art by Ron Wilson and Chick Stone, letters by Jim Novak, and colors by George Roussos. R-O-U-S-S-O-S. I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Uh, Originally, this story was published in uh, 1982,
1: What
2: did we think of it? Hey, the thing's bad at his job.
1: Kind of, right? (laughs) I I didn't think it was... Okay. I think it was hilarious that the the bar owner did not want to alert the Sandman because he didn't want him to, like, wreck the bar. What's the first thing the thing does when he shows up? (laughs) He wrecks the bar. Knocks the table out of the (laughs) way. Yeah, he just... (laughs) And when he puts it down, you just see all the broken glass bottles around him and everything i was like oh the come on thing yeah come on Ben stop
2: did hydra man and sandman have a name together were they sludge Mudman? man were they mud man were I they think. my my daughter suggested names when we were thinking of names for our, our boys and the first one she came up with was gutch <laughs> which is not a word gutch <laughs> has now come to take the place. you know when you like you you like whatever is left over in the sink after you've rinsed dishes and you're like Ew, and it's like wet food or what that's goodch when you like slush slush from snow in the in March you know that's, that's like right on the edge of the su- that's gutch yeah anything mm-hmm. like wet and gross so mm-hmm. I think gutch man is uh <laughs> you know
0: what about the Well, oh, I just looked it up I just looked it up it was mud thing.
2: Mud thing. Oh, see, we, the three of us, not published writers, could have come up with something better than mud thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I'm not sure. Gooch was it? <laughs> no, but you know, you
2: got to get rid of the, you got to get rid of the gooch before you get to the, you know, <laughs> grime man. No, see, that's still not there. You got to keep going.
1: I I feel like even mudman, mudman, would have been better. Mudman. Yeah, mudman. John John Clancy, mudman. Mudman. Where are Attorney? those reports that? <laughs> I needed those
2: reports half half an hour ago. You want Thank that promotion, you. don't you?
1: Want a promotion, don't you, Mudman? Uh, but
2: Mudman's played by Jack Lemmon. It's just the apartment, but it's about bad superheroes.
1: Uh anyways, terrible naming aside. <laughs> I, I think okay, so like one of, one of the things that I thought was uh, interesting and I kind of wish I feel like in a modern book this probably would have been explored a little bit, but I like the idea of like how I okay, I like how uncomfortable it made me how the Sandman was talking about the, his experience being kind of mind melded with somebody and separating from them and he talks about how he doesn't like feel like himself. he's physically, emotionally. And mentally drained from this whole situation he can barely keep himself together he's like you know really really pensive about his whole life but like you know it was in the 80s Uh, so so part part of it is that he's also talking about how he kind of felt like almost a little violated uh, kind of from the whole situation as a whole and I really like the idea of kind of exploring that you know the idea of like what must it be like to have been part of two people and now you're one uh, uh you know, it was against your kind of will, right? Uh that you know, that didn't get explored too uh too much. Uh nope. b- but uh but I thought that was what little bit of, of it was there was interesting, right? Because that they both handle that very differently, in which Hydro Man just says, I don't want anything to do with any of this ever again. I'm noping out of here hard and just like gets into the sewers and leaves. Presumably to be seen never again. And, uh, and the Sandman just kind of decides he needs to uh, figure out how to cope with this. There is there is some interesting
0: sort of psychology that's alluded to. I'm uh, not super... I'm a little disappointed in this story. This is not what I wanted from a story that depicted the thing and uh, the Sandman kind of having a heart-to-heart on the cover. I expected something that was more fun, that was more upbeat, that was more like two bros throwing back beers and talking sports, weirdly. Like, that is is kind of what I wanted from this story.
1: Two, Two bros sitting in a bar five feet apart, because they're rivals.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, just, it was a, it was not bad, and it wasn't really, like, good, either. I, I I feel like this was just perfectly fine comic to pass the time. Like, I, I read it while I was sitting up at night with, with the baby while he was uh, trying to get some sleep, and it passed... The twenty minutes or so that it took me to read it, just fine.
2: Yeah, that yeah, I I think that um, it's not bad as far as like it's wordy, but it you know it's typical of the of the time. It's, the eighties, you know, yeah, and it's drawn in the Marvel style of the day. It's not bad, um, you know, it's not something I particularly like, you know, this style because a lot of it. I don't think um I don't know. I think that like they could they could do I don't know if they could do better, but this this felt like a fill in issue maybe. But <laughs> it comes down to like they they go into this backstory and, and you know, Flint Marco talks about how he's he's like I was just a bad guy and talking about how he's a bad guy and it's not like I'm sorry for the things I've done as much as it is I'm just tired from doing all of these bad things and you know having hydro man like all up in my grains you know and so if it like i think the the modern take would be okay sandman maybe if you're serious about you know not putting up a fight we can get you some help to you know rehabilitate you and not make you a a bad guy because i think he's probably been a good guy bad guy before that seems likely that he's like done both I'm trying to find if this is his origin like if this is where we get his full origin story not like obviously it's not his first appearance or anything um, but like I don't know if we get this this many like details because that's pretty much what this is is like Sandman talking about how he became a Sandman Yeah, right. the thing is like well you're sure are the Sandman okay bye you know
0: yeah. And that's it was that's probably what I disliked about the story is that it was a lot of tell, very little show. Uh-huh. And like there's a whole Movie Bob thing which I sometimes question the credibility of uh where he talks about how the whole show don't tell uh thing is a um Basically, a CIA ploy to fight communism. It's a bit more convoluted than that. Sorry, Regardless, whether I mean, you did not mishear me. Apparently, the whole like creative writing classes teaching show don't tell was a, a CIA plot to combat communism. You'd have to watch the the movie Bob thing for more details. And again, I'm not a hundred percent sure how true that whole thing was.
1: Yes, please but... please link that because I am what <laughs> <laughs> I I have been watching movie Bob a while. That's not. Ring Did they think out.
2: communists were wordy?
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Oh my gosh! And that reading would lead to the downfall of Western civilization as we know it.
0: It basically boils down to the fact that. It's easier to impart uh, ideology if you can be explicit about it. But show, don't tell requires you to be implicit, and so you couldn't explicitly advocate for communism. Jeez. Yeah, right? Little bit, little bit. And again, I'll, I, I question how accurate this all is. I haven't done the same research that Movie Bob did. Regardless, despite all that, I actually happen to kind of like Show, Don't Tell. I like the artistry of, uh, you know, having to paint the picture rather than, you know, just explicitly dictating everything. Uh, I like the idea of um, putting in some work to have your character development. When you have somebody just sit down and kind of, spill everything, it slows things down a little bit. I tend to like it when supervillains do it, but here it didn't strike me as super relatable.
2: Yeah, even like his little past, like the things passing, like you got a chance for a clean start, and it's like, okay, this is a nice thing where the superhero is seeing like the big picture and like, this guy could turn his life around. It's like, he just spent this time telling you about like him being a crook and like, that it's not remorseful, it's more like, man, it was rough, you know? It's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, um, I do. Again, I like... there. There, are, There's a lot of stuff about the story that I want to like. One of the big ones being I like it when heroes are sympathetic to the villain rather than just, you know, going in to beat him up. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the thing doing that. I just... I don't know. I, I It didn't feel as earned... It wasn't like the thing was sympathetic to him because he's had a. I don't know. I I didn't quite grasp it, and so th- I feel like the story fell short in a lot of ways from what I wanted it to be. And I don't know that I can put it better than that. <laughs> I
2: wanted a little fight, at least, you know.
1: I'm I'm fine with like the lack of fighting. I th- I think I'm kind of on the same thing as as Steven. here. If I was gonna sum this up, like kind of why it's not. As good as I wanted it to be, is I feel like this this was uh, this could have been a really good Spider-Man issue. This is the way I, I I feel like about this book.
2: <laughs> but, but is that true but, of most comics you read?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think I think at the end of the day, probably what like hurts me the most about this book is that it doesn't like we're having like a real heart-to-heart moment, right? It's well, seemingly right because you know, per- Stevens analysis or interpretation of the book it's not or and and john yours as well it's not really a heart-to-heart right like he's not really repenting he's not really you know uh sorry for the stuff he's done he's just tired but it really feels like in a spider-man book this is like the turning point that would have changed the character for like at least uh i don't know at least like a, a year or two where the Sandman would have been trying to do, like, good things after having this heart-to-heart with, with Pierre Parker or Spider-Man.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I don't know why this is what it took for me to think of this. It wasn't a heart-to-heart because the thing disclosed nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. he
1: thought it all to himself.
0: Maybe that's why it feels so just, like, preachy. The Preachy's the wrong word, too, but just, like, super... Uh, patent didactic, just because it's it's. Uh, I got no good words. I got bad words.
1: That was a five dollar word if I heard one. I don't. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, was, yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, it wasn't a Spider-Man story because Marvel Two and One was a Thing book,
1: which is weird, right? Why would you call it the Marvel Two and One if you're just gonna do only the Thing?
2: Be like, the thing can't hold his own book right now, so we're going to pack him in with somebody else. But Marvel Team-Up wasn't called Spider-Man and somebody else. It was called Marvel Team-Up. <laughs> they had to hide what they were doing. It's like, you'll buy it if there's Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, I bought Super Pro because it had Spider-Man, and that was the stupidest <laughs> idea
0: ever. <laughs> oh, man, is Super Pro on the act?
2: Uh, if it is, we have to read it. Wait, what I, is I, think, I think I have it. It's like a guy who puts on football pads and he's that's basically it. He's like a football player and Spider-Man helps him and that's the one that I like I bought and
1: I was like this is great cuz Spider-Man's in it. It was ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he went is it from, on the app. Uh, no, I don't know, but I just saw like a I just googled it. I just saw the headline. It says, he went from sacking quarterbacks to tackling crime. Yeah. Collector's <laughs> item. This is an NFL thing. Oh my gosh. I don't I don't know how I feel about any of this. Sports makes me uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> okay, you know what doesn't make me uncomfortable? Speaking of segues. Um, <laughs> is this segues? the Segways? The cover. The one the one other thing that I want to talk about in this book is the cover. Oh yeah. Cause that's a good cover. It is. Yeah. It's it's a bit like, you know, old-fashioned. But the bar ambiance is really nice. There's a lot of good detail just like on the different bottles and stuff. There are some cute little uh like Easter eggs, like in the foreground there's a bottle of Ron and Cheek, which are the two artists, or two of the artists. Yep. Um Yeah, anyway, there's just some cool stuff. Uh that's all I got though. I like the cover a lot.
1: I I also uh because uh I, th- I think I'm the resident beer drinker here uh Miller sucks so I, I'm dis- <laughs> I'm disappointed that that's what that's I'm disappointed that's what the thing drinks um
2: I've I've heard I've heard everyone say like Miller sucks Budweisers like pee, Coors sucks I don't obviously I have no vote I have I, no dog in this hunt but is there a right answer that the I, cool nah. kids will think I'm cool for knowing?
1: Uh, okay, as so much as I hate to be a hipster about this, uh, <laughs> big big beer does not taste good. Uh, a, lo- a lot of the time, big beer does not taste very good. I, fig- I I figured. I I have I've turned into a hipster and I drink local, local beer. Well, yeah. I Support yeah. my local brands like Keto's <laughs> and. Which is not keto, as in the diet. <laughs> Let's not get that confused. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I just disappointed in, in the beer's choice and the things choice of beer.
2: Well, I mean, that was like the hit uh, ad at the time, you know, or like the you know it's Miller time, like you know you see it in movies. Yeah. Uh, in the era too, so I think it was they were going for the joke.
1: Yeah, Because it's clobbering time. It's Miller. When when
2: when Tap the Rockies was right there with these <laughs> two guys, they didn't go for Tap the Rockies. <laughs> the dumbest thing.
1: Hey Stephen. Hey
2: Stephen. Update. I go from mediocre on this book to like feeling kind of meh on this book to I hate it. I hate it. It's dumb. I this and blew a perfectly good <laughs> joke opportunity.
1: This book was also so kind of like underwhelming. It didn't really give us a lot of a lot of place for like our. Our, our, like rock puns that we that we had anticipated uh, right. you know, like a month ago yeah I guess just a good book is just you just can't take it for granted
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright on that note we're moving on
1: good good that conversation was starting to get a little sedentary
2: yeah we gotta we gotta slide on out of here gotta gotta rock and roll ah. god <laughs> <laughs> Before our time is running out, like sand in the hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> I can Something's do Star like Wars. The
0: days of our lives. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sandman. Um, we read <laughs> Star hey, John, I'm Wars. Afraid it's your turn. Yeah, we read Star Wars Annual number no. four. Came out in 2015, or that's the Star Wars Annual with the years in the app. Sometimes it's like it gives you the year when like the series started. I'm just double checking to make sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh the the issue that you're talking about came out in twenty eighteen.
2: Okay. So, um Aldo, do you want to read the summary of what we thought we were reading?
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> so when this book was pitched to us by by Juan uh John. Uh let me Juan let me, John.
0: That seems redundant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> by Juan, Juan, Juan John. Uh let me let me find the real fa- so the pitch that was uh, you know, given to us, fellow podcast members, was a screenshot and it had the synopsis as such. The Phantom Menace introduced audiences to pod racing as Anakin Skywalker participated in a deadly sport event to help out his crush, Padme Amidala. This annual imagines a scenario if Darth Vader managed to race one more time and defend his previous record while retreating from the Stormtroopers, Luke Skywalker ends up at the starting line of a pod race. Father and son end up competing each other in the race. Enthralled by the cheers of the crowd, Darth Vader wants to relive a happy moment from Anakin's childhood and even cheats to keep the memory fresh. That's a load of shenanigans. Yep. That is not what happened. That is not... Complete (laughs) garbage. That is not at all the book I was promised. I feel like whoever wrote that synopsis read a separate synopsis that was part of an article that was going like this article this this book would have been much better if this was what happened and then when they wrote that synopsis they mixed up what they thought they read and wrote what they wanted to read instead i was bummed out i i thought i'd read yeah. the wrong book even
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> same thing um, where did that synopsis come from i want you to name names <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's responsible this? Who's responsible
0: Steven.
2: this? There's some there's some poor like assistant to an assistant to an assistant who had to write up the quick synopses wherever we got this. I don't know where I got it.
1: <laughs> this is my fault. I should look it up. I need you to I need you to cite the sources next time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, let's proceed with the with the real synopsis.
1: War consumes the galaxy.
2: The heroic rebel alliance has won a major victory against the evil Galactic Empire with the destruction of the dreaded Death Star weapon. Now, the Dark Lord of the Sith and the Empire's chief enforcer, Darth Vader, seeks a m- means to crush the rebellion once and for all. Meanwhile, the young hero, Luke Skywalker, attempts to save it by becoming a Jedi Knight and learning the ways of the Force. And other factions, just beyond the dark and the light, seize upon the galaxy's instability. Rogues and smugglers like the infamous Sana Staros look to profit profit even on the wildest and most untamed fringe worlds. So this takes place on a uh, planet called Hradik, which I'm just guessing at because this is crap. It, keeping with Star Wars tradition, crap that you write down but you can't say. It's like, what this is ridiculous, that's what... Um, Harrison Ford would say, like, you can write this crap, but we can't say it, you know. Um, just awkwardness of Star Wars. <laughs> so, um, there's a pod race on this planet. It's kind of jungly. It's cool. I'm gonna say from the get-go, I like the art in this book. I like the paneling. I like the uh, designs. All of the henchmen are just Satan, so that's easy. Um, they uh son of Staros, which, calling her last name Staros, just like Star Wars, Staros is like really like you're really really hurting your creative juices there like really straining that muscle you know anyway um she is selling a lightsaber to some ruffians um this one ruffian looks more like i don't know the crypt keeper and all of his all of his henchmen have satan horns and like red and gold faces and stuff so they're bad very clearly um And they say, where's the other one? Because they're expecting two lightsabers. When Sana presents this artifact, it's the lightsaber of Darth Atreus. They're really excited, and they say, where's the other one? And they light it up, and they're really mad at her. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. You paid for a lightsaber? You got a lightsaber. And they're mad, and then... um, the uh, boss is really mad and starts cutting up his own henchmen while they're shooting, and Sonna just barely escapes. Um, an Imperial officer. We cut to a landing pad where Darth Vader lands. He's presented with a lightsaber, and he asks the Imperial officer, "Where's the other one?" It's apparently a, a pair of lightsabers that both the smuggler and Darth Vader are after, and they both only have one. And they um both of them are really really strong with the dark side really corrupting in fact luke is there to um uh meet with a contact um get some money a credit stick that's going to pay for a half dozen of their x-wings and um he's there to meet someone and then he notices you know disturbance and he finds the lightsaber from the uh, crooks and uses it to fight off some stormtroopers, and is kind of feeling, you know, the uh, draw of it, and is kind of afraid of it. And uh, cuts down all the stormtroopers at the same time that uh, Vader is fighting. So there's some parallels there. Um, Sana runs into R2D2 and uh, gets the credit stick, um, and uh, R2 chases after and outsmarts her. while um, Luke runs away from his fight, um, being chased by bad guys, and he, um, joins in a pod race, and, uh, there's, they're building it up, like, oh man, could a human do it? And there's, like, a little, like, oh, does Luke have the same kind of, you know, racing aptitude that Anakin had, and Vader's watching it, and then Luke just bails during the race, and he, uh, destroys the lightsaber because he doesn't want to have it overwhelm him, and and he he, uh, sails off in his X-Wing when Vader sees his X-Wing fly off, and he looks down at the lightsaber, and he also destroys the one that he found. Um, Luckily, R2 was able to get the credit stick back from Sana, who takes off in her ship, and like every other cool ship they go for in the Star Wars Expanded Universe, it looks like um, a variation on the... uh, Millennium Falcon, just parts moved around so it's very very clearly like this is a cool hero's ship this is a smuggler's ship um, and then she says well, there's always someone to shell out uh, some credits for a piece of ancient history and she has another lightsaber, some kind of mask and a pyramid, which I haven't looked up what those uh, relics are but that's how it ends, she, she escapes to go beat uh, you know, some kind of smuggler kind of character another day um i'm being a little like pessimistic and snarky about it because you know it's just we we know the story they're just like you know sticking things in you know and sometimes that's okay sometimes it bugs me it's just kind of that is what it is when they're trying to fill in the gaps that i didn't i don't think would need filling in um but i like the art i think it was interesting parallels between um, Luke and Vader with this going on. I think this character Sana Staros, even though her last name makes me roll my eyes. It she it, like I don't know. She has a cool design and maybe could be a cool character. Maybe could run afoul of Doctor Afra sometime. Uh, I'd like to see that. You know, if you're gonna do these stories, just leave the whole Skywalker thing alone and tell it's a it's an entire galaxy to play around in. We don't have to keep coming back to this well. Um, but in spite of all that, I, it was okay. I didn't mind, and I'm, you know, um, you know, really enjoyed the art. So, what did you guys think? I'm tired of talking
0: now. So, okay, when Luke is piloting the pod racer, doesn't Vader crash it? That's the impression that I got.
1: I I just got the impression that he just wasn't used to it.
0: So, page twenty-eight. Vader is watching the pod race. Uh, the commentators are noting that the human is doing really well Vader says impressive then you flip the page over and Vader's still watching the pod race and then the pod racer that Luke is piloting crashes but in between you've got this long panel of Vader and there's that little like jagged orange line around his hand it makes it look like he's using the force and he crashes Luke's pod racer
2: I think so. I think that's... Yeah. Because, yeah. like, why, why else would he have his hand there like that? Why else would they have colored it that right. way? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he blew one of the engines. But, you know, Luke is, is still a Jedi and escapes without a scratch. So
1: Right. And, and he might have yeah. cheated, but apparently he wasn't really, you know, salvaging any moment of happiness from his childhood because he wasn't actually involved in the race.
0: Right. That synopsis is just so off. That was so I actually, <laughs> I actually I actually like this book though. Like I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was neat. It just wasn't what I pro- yeah. Okay, so like in order for me to like really enjoy this book and rate it fairly, I guess, I have to separate what was promised to me and what I actually got. <laughs> because what I actually got is it it's a Neapolitan cake and it's delicious it wasn't Ooh. the fudge brownie lava cake I was promised but a Neapolitan ice cream cake is what I got and you know what that is still delicious
0: okay but I actually thought this was better than what was promised I, I yeah would I didn't not want like so <laughs> but okay.
2: I felt like it was gonna be like Annie you it back you know like, <laughs> you're, like, you're gonna go race again I will now did you guys hear Greg Proops when you read the um, little speech bubbles from the announcers
0: no i did not i can safely say that i did not
2: okay that's what i heard in my head was the two-headed alien from the first uh from episode one played by comedian and uh whose line is it anyway alum greg proops and podcaster apparently
0: um yeah no i did not did not hear that
2: well i did anyway um not a bad book um, no, I
0: thought it was. I thought it was fun. Did we go over the creative team?
2: I did not. I apologize. I, I brought that up and then wanted to read the um, yellow scrolling text that it doesn't actually scroll, except in my head. <laughs> the creative team was Cullen Bunn was the writer, Ario Enendito, Roland Bashi, and Mark Laming uh, the artists. Jordan Boyd and Andre Mosa were the colorists, VCs Clayton Cowles as letter. He pops up a lot. And I think every time he pops up I go, "Hey, he pops up a lot." Yep, every time. Tradmore and Matthew Wilson did the cover. Uh there was a variant color variant cover from John Tyler Christopher.
1: I met I met John Tyler Christopher once. Very very nice person. Fantastic artwork. Oh, you met him? Yeah. Yeah, he uh one of the huh. conventions one of the years of, the, of our local uh, comic convention he was there uh, I chatted with him a bunch uh, he was all sold out of the stuff I wanted to buy so he gave me a free poster oh that was
0: nice of him Yes.
1: Oh. I also bought like 4 other posters uh, <laughs> not that I didn't want them but they just they weren't my top choices but they were still very good posters and then he gave me one more very very nice person
2: i thought i recognized the cover the colors was uh matthew wilson i'm assuming is the same as matt wilson who is the colorist for paper girls
0: i believe so he's he's a very prolific colorist
2: well i met eisner award-winning um for that creative team um and i met i met him at comic con as well and he was very nice Talked to me about just doing that work, and I've I've since bought Paper Girls. Uh, I haven't finished all of it because I feel like I'm saving it to like read it all at once.
0: But yeah, yeah, I did that once with uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. I never never finished it. That's
1: that's I wh- have it all. <laughs> that's where I'm at uh-huh. with Superman Smashes the Clan. I've still not read the <laughs> final issue. <laughs> oh god! Do you know if he smashes always? the Klan I know. <laughs> I know he smashes the planets in the title, but how? With his fist, a giant wood block.
2: <laughs> Sometimes the title is misleading. I don't think it. I don't think they actually throw Mama from the train and throw is, Mama from the train.
1: <laughs> is it an emotional we are smashing? Way off
0: topic again.
1: It might. It might just be an emotional smashing. <laughs> forest Gump actually t- does not
2: take place in the forest. Not really at all. Lawrence is not from Arabia he just that's where it takes place Lawrence yeah. over Ar- he's not really he's English John Wick doesn't
1: actually have like a wick that gets lit on fire no it's a dog it's they, a big kill his dog are you, yeah
0: are you saying that John Wick isn't lit
1: <laughs> <laughs> not loud enough so he can hear you geez Stephen <laughs> Okay, and Hellboy isn't a boy; he's a man, very clearly.
0: He was a boy, though. There, there are st- comics of young Hellboy where he is a boy. Okay, th- th-
1: they shouldn't be but, uh, young uh, Hellboy. They should just be then, Hellboy, yeah. and the other comic should be he's... Hellman. Hellman, no, because Hellman is like a pickle,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or it's mayonnaise, or something. <laughs> Anyway, I really like the way that this comic looks. I like the colors. I think the the character designs are... I mean, obviously, character designs are basically, you know, Mark Hamill and Darth Vader costume. Uh, the, the layouts are really good. In particular, I keep going back to this one panel, the first panel on page 26, where, uh, what's her name, uh, Sana. Sana Staros. Yeah. She uh, is like slipping and so we've got this yeah. really good yeah, it's such a good little and all. it's just white background, her slipping on the ground it's a really good, you've got the arc of the oil from her foot, the foot's got a nice little motion blur, it's just really well crafted that one little image, I keep going back to it it's like this weird sort of MVP
2: yeah, that jumped out to me as well when I was reading it
0: also, I don't know what it is about Darth Vader in comics, but I love... I feel like Vader looks intimidating every time he's on panel. Yeah. Uh, in a way that he didn't always manage in the movies. Yeah. I, I, there's something about the, the comics where... And I think actually part of it is they made the very smart decision of not... Trying to capture the iconic Vader breathing sounds. Like, if every panel that Vader was on, there was somebody like spelling out, like, it would get old really quick. Leaving him silent most of the time is a very good choice.
1: I think what works, yeah. especially, is, is something the movies do as well, but I think it works better kind of in comics, is that they do a lot of those close ups on his face, but like, there's no emotion but because of the context of what's happening you you kind of get an idea of him thinking through things he's not just you know he's not just planning on killing somebody he's kind of contemplating like why right like that's because every time we get a close-up in the movies it's not about him like what he's gonna do he's thinking about why he's doing what he does so so i feel like that carries through in the comics because we get those close-ups on his face, and there's there's really no emotion to kind of show through the mask, typically.
2: Right. They do they do cool things like the on page, um, thirty one, where we get a close-up of the eyes of his mask, and reflected in them is the X-wing in both. And I didn't notice it until I flipped through just now again, where we see you know he's just he's seeing the x-wing take off he's looking he looks down at the lightsaber and the, it's the frame you know we're looking up at vader so an intimidating pose and the position of his head and his eyes and the angles and everything like that he's looking at the lightsaber he's thinking about the lightsaber he looks up and sees the so see the uh x-wing go away and he crushes the lightsaber just like luke did a, a page before so um good storytelling through like really good use of the medium. Um, I like the last page as well with uh Sana Staros. I think that I don't know, I just like, you know, her her whole design. She's got a cool outfit, she's got cool hair. Yeah. This is a cool character. Yeah. And her ship is cool, fitting the you know, it's it probably has a name that's like some sort of like riff on the Millennium Falcon or Ebon Hawk or you know, this it's I don't know. They did probably did something I'm just guessing.
1: Yeah, aluminum hawk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lady Hawk the decade ostrich the Decade ostrich
2: my gosh
0: avian centuries all right so anything else to say on this on this uh, star wars book i i i did it the
2: fortnite it. penguin
0: oh wait did you say fortnite penguin
2: <laughs> like 2 weeks the fortnite penguin <laughs> That's like, that's like your boxcar it. racer kind of ship. That's like <laughs> that's like what Calvin and Hobbes are going over the hill in, is the little ship like
1: that. Oh, man. What's it going to say, though? Because there is something I wanted to point out that I liked a lot. Oh, in, in terms of, like, lore, I don't need, I don't want. It's not necessary. It absolutely doesn't have to exist. I really like the idea of, like, a pair of lightsabers that are so tainted and corrupted by, like, the dark energies of, like, their previous owners... that, it, that they have the One Ring influence on whoever wields them. And I thought, I thought that was kind of a cool concept. I wish I could, we could see that, like, explored for more than an issue. But... See, but yeah. I think this is
0: actually, like, the perfect length. Because, like you say, this is, this is unnecessary. You yes. do not need this story... Um, but since you have it, it doesn't overstay its welcome.
1: Yeah. I guess. I would yeah. like to... I just would like to see it a little bit more. I think it just because it'd be interesting to just, one, have a character who who is like a good person to kind of struggle with the darkness, even though we already got a glimpse of that in you know, one of the Star Wars movies. But uh, I, I think part of it is I really kind of would have wanted to see what sort of influence it would have mm-hmm. on Vader who you know through the storytelling we're meant to believe that he's evil but obviously as people who have seen all the movies we know that he's really not that he kind of struggles a little bit with that and I think it would have been interesting to see like what sort of influence those lightsabers would have had on him longer because that doesn't really happen I don't think he ever really gets influenced by them I mean it's kind
0: of implied he lashes out at like one of the dudes yeah yeah so it's like there's there's not much difference between Vader under the influence of an evil murder lightsaber and Vader just, you know, having trouble accessing the Wi-Fi at the coffee shop, right? He just is not someone who handles frustration well, <laughs> even without malevolent influences.
1: You know what he also doesn't handle well is uh, people turning into the Force in front of him? Have you... <laughs> Okay, okay, so sorry, sorry, I have to bring this up, I have to bring this up because my friend told me about this and I've, I've never been a- unable to, like, unsee it. In in episode four, when he kills Obi-Wan, what is the first thing he does is he stomps on, like, these old rags <laughs> of, like, where Obi-Wan used to be, and it's, like, the least, like, space wizardy thing I've ever seen. He just kind of like,
0: like... Yeah, he prods it with his toe. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of <laughs> like, kicks it a little you bit. you go? Yeah. <laughs> huh. I've never seen this before. All
2: the other Jedi he killed, like, you know, and chopped up, none of them just force ghosted on him, you know? Uh-huh. And he killed a lot. I mean, he killed... Room full of younglings,
1: man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Anyway, so just wanted to bring that up. Cause I, I don't know. I like Vader, but every once in a while, Vader is goofy, and, and I like that. Yeah. Not on purpose. <laughs>
2: um, Sana Staros, just to update you, is Doctor Afra's ex.
1: Oh. And she also oh.
2: claimed to be married to Han Solo when she oh. was hunting him. Oh. I remember so she, that. It seems like she is kind of on her own side, like Doctor Afra is kind of on her own side. But where Doctor Afra is kind of lo- you know loyal to the Empire, Sana is more loyal to the Rebels. It would seem. I am skimming this article,
1: but. No, that's fair.
2: I don't know. Those are two cool characters. I would read that team-up.
0: Indeed. But that's going to have to wait for another time. Do we have anything else to say about this particular story?
2: Pleasantly surprised. And uh, cool alien designs. And I just realized when uh, Vader is going down these stadium steps to watch the race, everybody in the crowd is like, what? And they're running away. Um, Which I was just like... I hadn't thought about the first read-through, and going over it again, I was like, oh, yeah, of course they would be. It's not like he can just, like, peek in and be like, oh, excuse me, you're trying to sell peanuts, I'll get out of your way now, you know? It's not like, you know, it's Vader, you're gonna run, so I'm glad they showed up. Right.
0: <sighs> anyway, I'm glad I'm glad we read that, um, but I think now it's time to move on to our last story uh, from X-Men Legacy. Although, you got this?
1: Ahoy, I do. Uh Ahoy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to apologize for that.
0: You're a pirate now, I guess.
1: <laughs> I didn't know you moved to a ship. Yeah, so yeah. So we read X-Men Legacy number 300, which is called Forget-Me-Not, featuring the X-Men, Forget-Me-Not. And the story kind of takes place with who? this girl who has been uh, disfigured after, uh, it sounds like, just not like not even a bad date, just a regular... Piece of crap dudes! Like took her. Like she said no to them on a date, or or something like that, and they disfigured her. So she's trying to break into the X Men mansion so that she can like be around people who will make her feel like she's not the weirdest person around, because her face has been kind of disfigured on one side, and she's just tired of people like staring at her and kind of feeling like an outsider. So, of course, the X-Men is kind of the natural place to go. Uh, But she gets caught by the security system, which is like a Shi'ar psychic shield or some shenanigans like that. And uh, the more you struggle, the more you want to do the thing that you got caught doing, the more that shield would eat you up. And come to the rescue, Forget-Me-Not. Forget-Me-Not's power is that he... He is quick to disappear from people's attention... And on top of that, when you stop paying attention to him, you forget about him like entirely. You, you don't remember that he existed, what he was there, or anything like that. So he explains to her that throughout the years, I think he says explicitly like the last six years he's been an X-Men, that, uh, that he's the reason that every time they're like, oh yeah, this thing just ran out of fuel, or this computer just glitched. Or there was some sort of deus ex machina that happened. That it was him. It was his involvement. But because people forget about him immediately when they stop paying attention. That that they just kind of attribute that stuff to luck. Even though it's him. Kind of behind the scenes. And it tells her a couple stories about his time with the X-Men. One when they were like in the middle of, of this war thing. And I don't know what event that is, and I'm assuming it's it's got to be some sort of like actual X Men event because these things always are. But he's they're fighting the X Men are fighting in a war, and he kind of figures out that the soldiers that they're killing that the X Men are killing are kind of bubble people, so they just when they die they just kind of pop and disappear. And he's going around at night uh, and kind of learning all of their names to kind of help them be remembered because they essentially stop existing. And he's even he himself is not sure that other people will even remember who that they even were there, right? So he's going through and remembering all their names, collecting like dog tags and that type of stuff. And he tells her of a separate story where he was looking for two X-Men or mutants, uh Mimic and Omega whose powers are to surprise, surprise, mimic other mutant's powers. And Omega, I believe, can actually take those powers away. So he goes to talk to them to kind of, you know, convince them to actually take his power away. The process could kill him. And even after that, you know, he could just entirely disappear. Or not disappear. He would just be unspecial. So, like, what would be the point of kind of doing anything? The way they put it is, I I don't know, kind of point. I don't want to say poignant, but it, it kind of makes sense because they talk about how the worst part about not nobody caring about you nobody knowing you exist is existing and nobody caring that you do exist. Which is like something that he's like, yeah, you know what, maybe I don't want that reality, at least not now. So he decides he's not going to have him take his power away and he's going to keep doing stuff that matters, even though nobody will remember that he did those things. So kind of through these conversations, he he helps this girl get out of the shield and instead traps himself in it. And as he explained earlier, like machines and computers and stuff eventually kind of lose track of him as well. Like they just can't focus on him. So he's not worried about being stuck in that, uh, the Shi'ar psychic shield for a while. And so kind of convinces her to, you know, kind of think about it. You know, don't, don't give a crap about what other people think you are like be yourself own it that type of thing and as she leaves she obviously forgets that she had this whole interaction with him calls her mom and just tells her that you know i think i think i just uh, had to get out and talk and think about it for a while and kind of goes home and uh yeah so this was written by uh let me pull up the list because uh, it was written by several people and it was written by yep. uh, Simon Spirier. Spirier.
0: Simon Spirier.
1: Yes. Mike Carey and Crystal's Gage. Uh, with pencils... Oh, I, mm, with pencils by Tan Huat, Steve Kurth, and Rafa Sandoval. Inks by Craig Jung, Alan Martinez, and Jordi Tarragona. Uh, colors by Jose Rubia, Rochelle Rosenberg, Ulysses... Uh, Ariola and lettering by VC's Cory Petit. Yep. Or Petit. I we know. always
2: do that too. <laughs> yep,
0: every time. Every time it's Petit. It's Pettit. Marvel's got like I don't know. Six letters that they use and we know how to pronounce four of their names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, if that is true, I feel like that's my N. I just got I'm gonna be a letterer you gotta work on your penmanship I'm not gonna be a letterer
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
2: man the shortest so, dream and realization you've... to dashed hopes ever
1: <laughs> so, so, so okay so what did you guys think I, I like this book a bunch I had read it like on my own separately uh, I think like a year or two ago and I I've I been waiting for the opportunity to suggest this book to for reading for a while I liked it.
0: I Yeah, I think this is the strongest of the three that we read.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: easily.
0: Um, and I've, I've been pretty... trying to be really positive. I'm sorry, that, that <laughs> thing Sandman story wasn't very good. But, like, no, this was unambiguously pretty good. Yeah. Um, Cy Spurrier, I have read a little bit. Um, he does another series, which I think is also called X-Men Legacy, um, but it's about... Legion, the the son of Charles Xavier and star of the FX show.
1: Um, Starring Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. My, my wife. <laughs>
2: now wait a minute. My wife. <laughs> my wife. Wasn't your wife someone different last episode or the episode before?
0: We we don't talk about we don't, that We don't talk about apparently. that anymore.
1: No. no. <laughs> Oh, no, I just remember who it is.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you and Aubrey are settling down. Yeah,
1: it's really good.
0: But, like, so this story, Simon Spurrier, um, is really good at, from what I've read, kind of, like, weird, maybe vaguely off-putting ideas executed with a lot of heart and compassion. Mm -hmm. And so he like you've got all the weird stuff the the character with the bizarre powers who is not your typical superhero design he he's you know a kind of a schlubby balding white guy yeah uh but you know he's got a lot of sympathy, he's got a lot of compassion for this for this poor girl, and he that last image of him getting absorbed by the weird security system with the girl's helmet lying in the foreground in the grass abandoned uh, it's really good mm-hmm. so like cyseburyer has done a really good job with the scripting and the art team here have really done a, an excellent job capturing the emotions everything that makes uh cyseburyer's story that again based on this Sort of conception of him that I have. Everything that makes those stories good and resonant comes through, and it's a whole team effort. And there are so many people involved on this team. It's really hard for me to say who did what.
1: Right? Yeah, that's the other thing. Is, yeah. is the first time I read this book, I hadn't really paid attention to the creative team, so I knew there were like separate sections, right? Because he's telling different stories. He's talking about uh, when he's in that war, when he's helping, when he's looking for Mimic and Omega. And also when he's talking about the the death of Charles Xavier, one of many, and it's really not clear at what point like they switch writers. To um, I mean, it is a little obvious when they switch artists, but but apart from that, when they switch writers, like you really can't tell. This feels cohesive as as a group effort,
0: right? And I just wish, I just wish that it was clearer who. Did what? Um, like when you have these little cutaway stories, I like when you, whenever you have an anthology like this and you have these little cutaway stories, give us an art credit at the beginning of that story. Like I want to know who drew it. I want to know if the writers worked together all throughout. That's one thing, but if you had somebody write the the individual vignettes, tell us explicitly. I I, I just wish that was better explained regardless though kudos to the whole art team because i don't think there's a super weak moment in the whole book
2: no i think that um i don't know it's told well because like i realized i was like i'm I'm having trouble like getting a sense of like forget me not you know because he like you know he's not like the art style changes you know with the different artists and stuff and it's all generally the same guy or whatever but even in the first couple of pages like because of the shading and stuff like that on his face it's tough to like really nail it and like wait a minute that's the whole point you know um he's just like no like too like you know you could describe him you know schlubby balding white dude you know with like a goatee maybe like and it's it's you know this the when he starts his story there's a couple of panels there where it's just like uh, you're, you're tough nail it's tough to nail him down and that's kind of the whole point so um i don't know i really liked it i like that they were able to do this kind of do this kind of story um and you know, because sometimes it's annoying retconning, like, "Oh yeah, and they were there too the whole time, and they were, they were your sibling, and they were there, and like, you know, they replay moments." But this, it felt, I don't know, it felt like a creative exercise as opposed to like a, a, a cheap retcon. You know? Yeah. This
1: and this also. It was interesting. Part part of why I really wanted to read this was also because we read that Goop series that I also recommended. You mean dupe? Dupe. Yeah. Oh
0: my god. That's Goop. how much she didn't Goop. like it. Goop is
1: the is the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow thing. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I would. I wish to forget that have seventy five percent the same letters. Anyways, so dupe <laughs> We read that. That was also like the whole. You know, he lives in between the. Uh, what was it called? the, the margins or whatever. Yeah, and you know that that's also that was annoying. Yeah, that was the same kind of implication, right? That he's kind of the Deus Ex Machina of of things in the comics, right? I that one felt like it was trying too hard. Like I get what that that was the kind of the joke, maybe whatever. I feel like part of this is also sincere, right? Because it's not just a Deus Ex Machina. This was a story that kind of works because of Deus Ex Machinas, and and I think what makes it a little bit more interesting is Steven, kind of what you were talking about is, is the empathy here, not just for, you know, the girl, but also for forget me, not himself, because he talks right. a lot about how, how, even though he, he has helped kind of be the, the critical turning point in a lot of the battles they've had, his existence kind of sucks. And, and I think yeah. it's, it's really kind of telling when, when uh, you know one of the people who I think we've kind of agreed is really not that great of a guy, uh, Charles Xavier <laughs> is is kind of <laughs> like your shining beacon in this world because he talks a lot about how, well not a lot he talks a lot about how Charles Xavier had set up a psychic alarm in his in his own head that at once an hour he would remind himself that <laughs> that forget me not existed. So the fact that that uh, you know, Charles Xavier died. Isn't just like, oh no, he's a mentor or whatever. It's literally one of the few people who remembers him, like, at all. And that is, that is, right. like, really sad.
0: It is. And it's, it's, the reason this all works is, it's, it's because the fact that you don't remember this character from these events, like, is the point that's the point, yeah. you don't remember him, so yeah. that's. I think that's the bit in particular that keeps it from feeling cheap, and then you've got all of the other emotional beats and everything that we've all been talking about all along, and yeah, I, it works, it's solid, it's not, I don't say that this is necessarily, like, very tippy-top of the list, um, it's not the best thing we've ever read, but it's good. Yeah. It's, it's it's like, if somebody's looking for a curious single-issue story about what makes X-Men good, it's like, here, read this. It's weird, and it's going to show you some things that you maybe haven't seen before, and some of it might make you, like, a little uncomfortable, Uh, but you will like it, and you will walk away feeling better about, like, the, the, gosh, there are just some good people in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's some people, some good people who do things just to be good and not because of the fame. And
2: he probably yeah. he probably gets sit on all the time on public buses. Like he just gets an empty seat, and then someone just <laughs> walks over and just plants it right there, and he's like, hey, 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 hey you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next person forgets that he's there and tries to sit down. That must be murder.
1: Huh. <laughs> well, he does say it makes traveling cheap though, because you know people will. Uh, yeah, he can just you know oh, in, don't, don't mind forget. me. Yeah.
2: Charles Xavier leaves a place for him. at every dinner at the X Mansion, like it's a seder, leaving a place for <laughs> Elijah.
1: Elijah. Oh, that'd be so—that'd be so kind of weird, right? Because like uh, you'd go to dinner, and then like when you leave the table, you notice that there was that that one empty spot, but that plate is also empty. Who ate it?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always, you know, you get a big thing of breadsticks and there's never <laughs> enough for everyone. And the, the, dang it, forget me not. You know. <laughs> I was, yeah, pleasantly surprised because I didn't know what to expect with this. And mm-hmm. I really like the cover art, too. Getting just, you know, like a portrait of, like, you know, the X-Men. Um, you know, kind of the, who was hot at the time, I guess. Yeah, it's um, everybody but him. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the point.
1: Yeah. yeah. Get me now. I think I think this is the only appearance he's done.
2: He comes up later. He comes up later. Um, I read on his Wikipedia. What? I'm sorry. He's not on. Oddly enough, he's not on Wikipedia. He is on a Marvel wiki, and he's involved somehow with uh, Hope Summers. Mm. Like interesting. I, there's there's a part where like she's like you know trying to make a team out of you know. I think it's after this. Like, she's, I don't know, she's she's doing something. There's, like, a bad guy coming after her, and I, dang it, I had it earlier. Um, he's involved with that. So there's there's some, you know, tie-in to Hope Summers at some point. But I think he dies. Well, Spoiler alert. Acor- I said after the fact.
1: <laughs> according according <laughs> to, uh, to, the, to the Marvel Wiki, he is also on Krakoa, so. Neat.
0: Well, everybody who died, they bring them all back.
1: So, yeah but they remembered sweet. him enough to bring him back
0: oh that's kind of sweet right
1: like there are happy endings after all <laughs> hooray. <laughs> hooray
2: all right yeah, we should determine whether this podcast is going to have a happy ending or a contentious one
1: oh, ho, ho nice segue wow, that was
0: really God, that was, I've been
2: studying this, I've this this been studying Stephen's work and
1: uh, any uh, smoother <laughs> you probably could have taken me out to dinner. <laughs>
2: I'm like a butter, baby. I,
1: I can't believe it's not butter. It's John. Yay! Yeah.
0: <laughs> Alright. So we currently have on our list uh hundred and fifty one different stories.
2: I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of the comic like the app. No, yeah, like this <laughs> even is if the we thing. didn't like add new, even if we like aren't counting like the new stuff that's constantly added. Even if it was just like a limited number from the day, you know, we started the podcast. Like, it, oh gosh, there's so many.
0: Yeah, uh, it's there's the thing about like art in general. There's so much good art. You, it is it is impossible to consume all of it to explore all of it. You're just never going to.
1: That's why that's why experts are so highly sought after, because they're good at one thing, and, and sometimes it's all you, it's all you can do.
0: <laughs> but like seriously though, so number one on our list—it's been a while since we've done this. Number one on our list <laughs> is No Normal, uh, the first story arc of Ms. Marvel by G. Willow Wilson and Fona. Uh The very very bottom of our list, number one hundred and fifty-one. Is the evil that men do uh, by some people who probably feel bad about it. Um, so where do we <laughs> want to rank let's let's go in order. Where do we want to rank time runs like sand?
2: Low. Um <laughs> like
0: it's, it's low, but it's not very bottom. Yeah.
2: It is it is wherever it starts to be bad, it's definitely
1: above that. Yeah. Is it below a star wars a valentine story
0: you, okay you, that's actually the area of the list that i'm <laughs> looking at i think i would read the valentine story before this honestly
2: that at least had like a beginning a middle and end this was like here's my sad story all right be good bye read Richards doesn't appreciate me <laughs> I'm a big strong rock guy and he's using me for big strong rock guy jobs how dare he what was, what was damage control damage control was
0: that's the guys who were like cleaning up after all of the superhero attacks
1: I don't remember that at all uh, anyways I guess this ranks yeah, above damage control I can tell
0: you me. you didn't like it
1: yeah it's, yeah. it's way down here <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was not good I would put this I forget Cold Turkey the Spider-Man story from 2016 I for, I know that we read a bunch of like holiday specials I can't remember that one
0: That actually kind of tells me in, that we're in the right part of the yeah. list. Oh, that yeah. was that was the right.
1: Spider-Gwen.
0: Oh, that was like just a, a snippet of a a story. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I remember that. It probably would be better in context, so that might be one that we combine and re-rank later, but for now... Yeah. Um, no, I would rather read this than Cold Turkey. I would put this in between those two.
1: Cold Turkey yeah. and Valentine's I think that's a Star good Wars. spot. Yeah, yep. I, I would agree with that.
2: No one uh, cuddled together for... Sandman and the thing didn't cuddle together for warmth in a spaceship. They were just drinking in a bar, so...
1: It would have been
0: better if they had.
2: <laughs> yeah, because they would have, like, had to have gone somewhere that they could only access on a spaceship,
0: <laughs> uh so okay what about now what's this okay although you've written them title here as now this
1: is pod racing that can't be right. <laughs> no it's not, it's not but i wish it was but also that was that we was can a just title just call it that right that was a title based on the previous uh <laughs> explainer and or synopsis man
2: imagine Im- imagine they just do a remake of the pod race from episode 1 but it's vader in the cockpit the whole time doing the, all the lines <laughs> just yippee. The same.
0: like
2: yippee <laughs> this is wizard
1: i'm bringing it back <laughs>
0: I think this is just Star Wars Annual 4. I don't think it has it. No, it doesn't. where do we rank
1: it? Yeah, we can give it a different title. Uh, I just put that this is pod racing because I was hoping that that's exactly what it was going to be. It was not.
0: Personally, I like this a lot better than the story that we just read. Um, Not necessarily enough to get it super high. I think the first story that I got to where I was like, no, I think I'd rather read that than this um, was... I mean, honestly, it was Mary Jane Homecoming. <laughs> well, <Whoa.
2: laughs> see, I'm I'm definitely higher than Mary Jane Homecoming.
0: But the thing is, I am too because I like Mary Jane Homecoming better than its position on the list would warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I think I, once we start getting to uh, like House of M and the the Search for Eternity, that's where I. Slow I'm sorry, on, what book?
2: Like, no, I didn't hear what
0: book you're saying. House of M. Oh,
2: no, the other one.
0: That's the one. That's the only one I said.
2: No, you mentioned a Steve Ditko uh, piece.
0: No, I, I'm pretty sure that I would remember that.
2: Stanley wrote it. Steve Ditko drew it. Not Stanley Spider-Man. Knew. Tucci.
0: <laughs>
2: Lieber. That's really who. Stanley Lieber.
0: <laughs> uh, so, John, where were you thinking of putting this?
2: I don't like how you steamrolled over my dick. <laughs> that's part of the bit (laughs) You you drove the big Thunder Mountain Railroad right over it I would put this it's just so brief and that's something that's good about it is that it doesn't like spend too much time in Star Wars like stirring the pot with like we don't need this story but they're in and out really quick so it's forgivable for that and so that's good but it also there's not a lot of meat on the bone right and so you look at like you know, a four-issue arc of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which was, it was okay, it wasn't great, right? Um, it was, like, surprisingly, like, hey, this is not so bad, but, like, this was cooler, this, like, you know, I liked it better than that, but, I don't know, I would put it just above bigger Thunder Mountain Railroad, because I'm thinking, like, the other, the other stuff we have on here is, like, a bigger deal, and while I appreciate its brevity and, uh, all of that, um, the other pieces that we have on the list, uh, the other stories are like more work went into them. I don't know. It's like a several issue arc. So it, you know, harder for them to do well when you're, you know, you're grading the entire story as opposed to like this one issue, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't have a lot of, of, uh, like I said, meat on the bone, you know, um, I feel like I'm talking in circles. I would put it just uh, above Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at 91. But I'm I'm not unhappy going higher if we need to.
0: Aldo, where are you thinking?
1: Uh, honestly, I feel like it would be fine anywhere between Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and... Uh, like Earth... Earth X? No... Yeah. Uh up I I feel like I would put the stop at like Battle World. Ghost Racers Battle World. That was fun.
0: Um Yeah. Yeah. I would put the Demon Bear above it because I feel like personally, Bill Sinkevich art puts it above this. But yeah, so personally I think if that's kind of the area we're going for, I would say 81 between the Demon Bear and Cage.
2: Oh, so he does. Oh, see, you do it for that. Yeah, you won't jump through my hoop when it's difficult. Wow,
1: I see how it is. Slap in the face. Yeah, again, D. Tarakovsky. let's go. That's fine. I'm putting... um, Is that that good? uh, John, do you agree? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I feel like most of the books in this
0: section of the list are kind of of a piece though, right? Yeah. Like, when we say it's just about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, it's like, this is about as good as Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. In its own way. I just kind of would rather read it than Big Thunder Mountain Railroad.
1: Yeah, I guess.
2: Yeah. Big Thunder's place on the list is like, well, like, you know, it's yeah, not one you want to reread, but also you can't fault it for what it is. So,
0: Right. It, it's perfectly serviceable. This is also perfectly serviceable, but with Star Wars.
2: Yeah. We should start color coding I'm... the, the uh, 80s on the list here. 80s and 90s is perfectly serviceable. <laughs>
0: um, all right last story forget me not goes significantly higher i would say but again i I'm, I'm not sure how high significantly higher it is
1: yeah uh i feel like it definitely goes above that deadpool book that we have which did that the 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 one where he takes the suicidal girl on the night of her life oh wow um the neverending struggle the- Never-ending struggle. Yeah. yeah, I just got Where's up to the it never ending struggle
2: thirty-four. You think it goes above that?
0: Well, that's thirty-four. Yeah. Holy crap! That used to be so. It high
1: used, up. To, be it used to be number four. Four. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's why Aldo has an initial rank column for this very discussion of wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. It has uh, changed a lot. Yeah, I think it goes above that. I I think of anything just because I I feel like we're not okay. So we're not dealing with 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 the suicide girl, which is kind of I think kind of the big thing that kind of was. The thing that Deadpool did really good, right? But we are still dealing, I feel like, the core of this is a girl who is feeling very hurt. And, like, it's... Or just, okay, not even a girl. A person who is feeling, like, very hurt. Very much like an outsider. And here we have the kind of atypical hero to help them realize that, you know, there, there is a place for them here. And I think that even though the stakes feel lower in Forget Me Not, I think the heart is stronger. I agree.
0: The nice thing about the Deadpool story is that it surprises you by being heartfelt, but it's still a Deadpool story. Yes. Um, whereas this is just sincere the whole time, and it's I I, I do like that about it. So, um Anyway, yeah, it, it's exactly like you said. I, I do think that this goes above that. My ceiling for this is probably Runaways. You know what? Well, that yeah, doesn't fair. go above Runaways. I, I don't think that I would put this above Runaways. Um,
2: I really liked I, it, but like Taskmaster was really good too.
0: And I was and actually just similar... thinking, I definitely like this better than Taskmaster, though. Oh, really? I do. I do think I like this better than Taskmaster.
2: You know, Taskmaster we've seen pop up a, a you know a lot of different places, and this kind of fills in some of the gaps. While it, it like Taskmaster like changes kind of his story without really changing the day to day appearances of Taskmaster. Like he's going to keep doing his thing, but now you know that at once he was a good guy, but he can't be anymore, and and that's part of the plan. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So I I thinking about this again I really like that the girl is so upset you know no one will really look at her anymore and here's forget me not who's like people never look at me like you know i that's my power <laughs> it's like they just never you know that's gotta be so lonely to live and like you know, he, he's saying it's, uh, trust me it's gonna be okay you can't even control you know, it you'll
0: yeah yeah
2: that'd be a cool spy movie if it was like you know <laughs> a spy who could do that at will you
1: know where he's like you don't know wow, what if taskmaster fought forget-me-not and like he just doesn't know who he stole those moves from <gasps>
2: yeah he's like
0: oh. marvel <laughs> hired
1: me please <laughs> Oh man, that,
0: like that already messes with with taskmaster's memory so that yeah, would just that he would just he would just fall
2: over and be like right? <laughs> that would be like a hard reset <laughs> all
1: right uh so so do we want to put it above or below taskmaster after john's explanation I say
2: I say below, Steven says above, so Aldo, you get to be the tying vote.
1: I want to put it above just cuz I feel break like the time. I just it, I just feel like it's a little bit more a little bit more heartfelt. That that, that, right. that does a lot for me.
2: <laughs> it is an X-Men book, so I'm okay with X-Men. <laughs> right.
1: I I think it's funny that I suggested this book. Uh like literally a com- like the conversation after when I when I said, "Hey guys, we should probably back off on Spider-Man and X-Men books,"
2: I was like, "But hey,
1: he's he's on the team." But who would know that he's there? Yeah. And then it's like, "Hey, what should we read next time?" Hey, how about this X-Men book? I hate myself.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's number twenty-nine between Black Bolt, Hard Time, and Taskmaster. Yes. 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 Cool speaking of what we're reading next time let's talk about what we're reading next time uh, recently finished a, a little television show on disney plus called loki which deals with the uh, tva the the time was,
2: variance was authority yeah
0: time
1: variance authority. Y- y- you know yeah. some people some people would say it's a uh, low key a very good show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was weak. It was. That really was. I am, your mother and I are disappointed in you. So, uh,
2: hey, wait a minute! I'm I'm disappointed in that arrangement. There's only three of us here.
0: <laughs> uh, so we're gonna read a, a TVA story from Fantastic Four issues number three fifty three and three fifty four. Uh, written by Walt Simonson who, jeez, uh, I'm really excited to get into some more Walt Simonson comics it's been a while uh, and then we're going to follow that up with a newer comic that we've been pretty excited to try but haven't, act- I don't think have any of us actually read Strange Academy? no, no. we're reading Strange Academy
2: it's like I'm saving it, so, you know, the same kind of idea
0: Yeah, so we're going to read the first story arc of Strange Academy, uh, which is issues number one through six, and this is a Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos story, so timely on on the Humberto Ramos.
2: Timely, on the timely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of timely, uh, what do you guys think of Loki?
2: It's it's my favorite of the Marvel shows. I I love it. I am
1: angry that people keep calling him Croaky when he's clearly an alligator and not a crocodile. (laughs) Loki
0: Gator. Yeah, see that. I thought that.
2: I thought that Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston kind of made up for the some of the dialogue, like the scenes that kind of went on a little too long, and the dialogue wasn't <laughs> quite as snappy as you want it to be. Because after that first scene between Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson, it's like, wow, this is like this is this show is going to go places. It's cool. Where Owen Wilson just kind of confronts Loki with, "Hey, man, like, <laughs> hey, wow." <laughs> no, sorry, I kept. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that. I, I, I kept oh expecting geez. it. I kept ex- like I know when all the Loki's I know. were there.
1: So many, there were so many wow moments too. But, when all the Loki's but, were there, or like when when uh, they were confronting Eliot, I was really hoping that yeah. he's gonna be. We're gonna kill Eliot, and he was gonna be like, "Wow, okay, wow. really." Mm.
2: That's probably in his kind. Con- that's probably in his contract. The writer in his contract, like, nope, none of that. Um. <laughs> No, when he just, like, says, like, here, like, what do you want, Loki? What do you want? And he just keeps getting after it, keeps getting after it. And so, like, we bring 2012 Just Lost Battle of New York Loki up to speed with Just Died on a Ship with Thanos Loki. Um, and then we can, you know, proceed from there. Um, I loved all the different Lokis. Um particularly how like they're giving all this respect to the kid Loki who killed Thor they're like whoa okay that kid can do whatever <laughs> he wants and like old enchanting Loki in the classic costume that was uh, delightful um, I uh, I loved Sylvie um, obviously the alligator and really impressed by Owen Wilson um, and Jonathan Majors right am I missing yeah, a middle yep. name I free yeah <laughs> um, awesome Awesome. I am yeah, totally on board and um yeah, this uh the oh, sorry, I I started saying th- like Owen Wilson and uh, Tom Hiddleston's acting made up for like, you know, other scenes where like um Owen Wilson and his boss, I forget her name, the the uh, you know, boss of the TVA like Oh, Renslayer you know, of those scenes went on the, Yep. Some of those uh, scenes went on a little longer than I think they needed to, or felt like you know the di- like it needed to, the dialogue could have been a little bit better. Also, yeah. I watched Midnight in Paris, and uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are in that together too. It's F. Scott Fitzgerald and uh, mm-hmm. Owen's character Gill, um, who's the the writer in Paris, and yeah, I really like that movie. Um, and have to remind myself that sometimes you can separate an artist from his art.
1: I, I think for me, one of the things was. Uh, I think I had the opposite reaction where like as I think as the as the shows have been going I feel like a little less uh, a little less impressed by the second half of of each show whereas in this one Mm -hmm. I felt more impressed with the second half. I kind of wish more of the show had been willing to be as weird as like the last two uh, episodes were. Yeah.
2: Right. I think that's what we'll get in the next season. I hope so. Because
1: because once we got to like once we started really kind of getting to like the void at the end of time the actual like Loki variants and like Elias like we got we were getting weird and that's the that's kind of where I was really hoping like Wandavision would kind of get to a little bit it, it kind of did it's just the tiniest little bit. Just the Van-
2: Wandavision was fine except for the finale was kind of just like checked a box it was like oh a big fight where they're throwing powers at each other and like it could yeah. have been
1: also yeah, like more like major props to loki for not caving in and doing a big fight at the end there was a, the fight that was there was pretty like small like you know relatively it was a small scale fight between two characters it was really about the characters and their wants and needs and i thought that was that was well done like the fight between loki and sylvie uh, so mm-hmm. so kind of once we got past that we got you know the actual effects of that stuff what a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah i i yeah. also just really love the implication that we are going to get king with the stupid yeah. silly capy outfit <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I loved the uh, design like the, the whole last episode looked gorgeous. the whole like citadel at the end of time if that's what it's called and like you can see all the the uh, varying timelines go off as soon as he reaches like you know the threshold. Um, I thought that was great. I loved how it's this this like you know ancient castle, but there's like rifts in the whole the whole thing these, yeah like, glowing rifts. it was just a really cool look. So and like the way that he plays it, where it's just like he's so casual, just like hey, you know, so aloof. not at all bothered by two Lokis who can do you know unspeakable. I
1: things. I really like that he was like like eccentric, right? Because I yeah. I think yeah yeah after having so many like kind of serious big gravitas villains or or you know characters, it's really nice to have somebody who just isn't that. I mean, he also granted he's like a villain, but not really a villain in, in this show. He's just kind of doing the thing yeah. he needs to do. He's not really doing anything out of like malevolence. So so it kind of makes sense for him to be, you know, not serious. I am excited to see him play Kang in uh Quantumania whenever that comes out. because uh, 'cause, Cause I, it'll
2: be a different right. take yeah, I I am characters. really
1: interested to see how he how he plays Kang. As opposed to how he I hope that they, way. like, get that
2: across. Like, I mean, they did in that scene where it's like, hey, you know, whoever comes next is not going to, like, maybe it's not going to be one of the nice me's, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, also, so you were talking about this earlier about, like, how Loki getting caught up, uh, you know, watching his holotape or whatever. That was some of the best, like, facial acting I've seen a long time. Yeah. Just the range of emotions that Tom Hiddleston is displaying as he's watching his story play out. So good. So good.
2: They don't have him talking as much as I thought they would. And they don't need to. Mm -mm. He just... He nails it. Yeah. So... Steven. If it
0: weren't for Tom Hiddleston, like we would have probably tapped out of the series pretty early, which would have been a shame because then we would have missed classic Loki. Who? Yes.
2: Oh my god.
0: So good. <laughs> that's like, that's my new life dream. Is I want to <laughs> look awkward in spandex, but still manage to steal the scene. Like that's how I want to spend yeah. my my declining
1: years. Did you Did you guys see the little the theory that? Thor Ragnarok explains where kid Loki comes from. No, Cause, no, it does sound good. In, in Thor Ragnarok, there is a scene where he's talking to uh, Banner and Valkyrie, and he's talking about how, how when he was a kid, uh, Loki tr- transforms into a snake, and then when he picked up the snake, he turned back into himself and then stabbed him, and.
0: <laughs> it's because I love snakes. Yeah, because I love snakes.
1: Yeah, and he turned into, uh, he turned back and stabbed him a lot of people are are, you know, because the Marvel fandom is the Marvel fandom. Uh, yep. that a lot of people are just kind of uh, attaching that to that and they're just like, oh, this is he stabbed him, but in this timeline, he actually killed him by accident. So he's not proud of it. because uh, because <laughs> I think that's also the implication, right? is that and I was reading an article about this how part of what makes the story interesting is that, even though it's not the focus of the show, it, it the show does kind of go a little bit of its way to tell you that Loki without Thor is incomplete. And because because all of the Lokis are kind of based a little bit on on Thor, right? Because uh, classic Loki, like, that's the reason he gets caught, because he misses his brother. Boastful Loki is kind of Thor, like they don't really explain like where he came from or anything, but he's trying to be like Thor. He has like a possibly fake me orner and uh, and he's kind of talking stuff up kind of the way Thor used to, as if he's making fun of him. And then obviously, like kid Loki killed Thor at some point, presumably as children. And I think and I think that's part of that implication is that. If he did kill him, I don't think it was on accident. It was on it was on purpose. I think it was on accident, and that's part of why like he doesn't really celebrate that he killed Thor, right? Like when he when they ask him like what the, what was his variance, he just kind of states it very like bluntly, not like as in not as a point of pride. And I thought, I don't know. I thought the the writing of the show was was almost like a like, like, like a notch better than WandaVision and Captain Falcon
2: can we say something else that we've we've skated over and and it needs a moment to explain and to talk about
1: uh sure
2: classic Loki is actor Richard E. Grant and he was in Spice World and I can't believe we haven't mentioned that <laughs> yet uh.